This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Content is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Rudy Angona. I'm the head of creative at the Google Zoo in New York. What I love about content is it's a reflection of our culture, and it is informed by culture. It also informs culture in return. Today, we are going to the zoo. We're actually going to Google Zoo because we're going to talk to Rudy and Gono about how they're using content to build relationships. From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business, conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser, and brought to you by 24-7 Talent, the leading creative recruitment firm. Your hosts for this episode are Dahlia Strum, Lisa Berger, and Edward Hertzman. The views and opinions expressed by Rudy in this interview are his personally and not necessarily those of his employer. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm a creative director, basically. I mean, my title is head of creative, but essentially I'm a creative director at Google. I work for a team called Google Sue. Uh, whose mission is to help our clients and agency partners to think of the most creative ways of using our technologies. And who do you think the most ideal client would be to work with? Oh, wow. Uh, I think clients who are open-minded and are ready to innovate <laughs> in the content space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so Google is such a large company, obviously with so many different divisions. Um, what exactly is Google Zoo? Can you be a little bit more specific? The Zoo is a creative team embedded in, the, well, embedded part of our Google sales organization. And our focus right now is helping our clients and you know, agencies to innovate in the video space. That's our focus right now. But in general, our mission is to help clients and agencies to think of creative ways of using our technologies. So would it be safe to say that you're focused primarily on, on YouTube? Yes. Okay. And is there an example you could give our audience of a recent campaign you, you did with a client on YouTube and, and how Google Zoo kind of you know, was a liaison there? Sure. Uh, the one of the latest one. I mean, it's not latest, latest, but one of the latest one is a partnership that we had with HBO Westworld. Um, for you are not who are not familiar with Westworld, it's a show uh, about a fictional theme park in the future, hosted by a bunch of very sophisticated AI robots. We uh, our role there were more like a creative consultant where we help the in-house team and the media agencies and many other uh, uh, partners that who work with Westworld to um, extend, so to speak, the uh, brand experience of the show beyond HBO. What we did was we partnered with the showrunners. I mean, the showrunners uh, are the real creators here. I mean, they are the real creative power behind this, where we created a uh, fictional uh, I mean, they created a fictional char character called Aiden that lives inside the uh, Westworld website. So if you are interested in visiting this fictional theme park, this host who lives as a chatbot can help you, can guide you along the way. Aiden also lives inside Google Home, so you can speak to it, I guess. You, know? you can ask, like, you know, okay, Google, can I speak to Aiden from Westworld? And then you can ask questions. Um, but at the same time, this is also promoted extensively in YouTube platforms, so there was masthead and everything, so people know 
that this service exists. So that's how we work. You know, we we kind of sort of help them think of ideas that are worth advertising in our YouTube platform. So it's um, YouTube is is a little different than your traditional TV channel. It's um, user generated content. Um, how do you th- how would do you think one how do you define YouTube versus you know a traditional TV station and and how does um, Google kind of view YouTube in, in the long term. Is, is that going to replace your, your traditional NBC, ABC? You know, what's your role when it comes to, to, to traditional advertising? What do you kind of see the evolution of YouTube being? I can't speak to the second part, uh, what, what Google's view. I can speak uh, from my own personal view. I think YouTube to me is a cultural channel. It's not a TV channel. Because if you look at YouTube, there's a spectrum of everything that, that is happening in our culture. Uh, and, like, and, and like and I said in my earlier statement, it is informed by culture. Like you see a lot of a content on YouTube that is made, you know, like people mash things up based on what you know, based on what exists in culture. But in return, that also informs pop culture. Right? It's it's almost like, so uh, I don't see YouTube as a TV channel at all. And the fact that you pointed out it's powered by users, by creators, um, it's really it's 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 more like a platform, right? It's not really it's not one way, you know, like a, a the the old broadcast. I mean, I don't want to say the word old. Like the broadcast model is somebody create an, a, a show and then they just broadcast it. It's it's you know from A to B. YouTube is more like a back and forth. Like the 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 creators respond to their their fans you know, based on the comments or the feedback that they receive and uh, or based on the cultural signals that they pick up. So it's. Now, in 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 terms of how advertisers should look at that, they should look at it as a cultural channel. Like, how would you play in that space? Not as a you know, not as a like a here's my thirty seconds or here's my six seconds and how can, and there there's a there's a media slot where I would air it and TV. Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is my you know this is my personal opinion on that. So when you're looped into projects, um, basically your goal is to not only think through like how you can be a little bit creative about the concept, but also really how does it work through Google's channels? Kind of, yeah. How, how, to, uh, how to look at what we have creatively, I guess. Um, the word that we're not allowed to use is basically how to quote-unquote hack it a little bit, right? You know, not literally hacking it, but more like if these are, these are the, 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 the ad products or these are the products that we have, the platform and all that, and we have... Uh, guidelines that the best practices, the A, B, C, D, and all that. My team's job is to look at that and go, okay, fine, we're not we're not challenging this, but what are the creative ways of using this? Things that maybe uh, uh, other people have not thought of it before. You know, maybe we instead of uh, instead of the formula like start with this and then follow with that. What if we reverse it? What if we try that? But you know, I mean, just you know, that's the. Uh, uh, so it's it's both strategic and creative point of view on uh, on how to use our technology. Do you ever start platform first? Do you ever say, okay, we need to start putting content on Google Home? Who are potential partners that we could work with? No, we always start with the user first. How do uh, who would use it? Um, what, how do people behave? I guess right. And what are the expectation? Because user expectations today change constantly. So it's important to understand that, to pick up that signals, um, and then to look at the brand uh, objective. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? And you know, try to find that sweet spot between this is the brand goal, 
and this is where the users are, uh, what they expect, what they, uh, how they behave, and then look at our toolbox. Look at look at our technology. Okay, which one of is that makes sense? In in our case right now, because our focus is on YouTube, then look at what role can YouTube play in this journey in that sweet spot. So it seems like everyone is a content producer today. You know, even Amazon started out as a marketplace, and they they're now producing a lot of shows. So do you see Google getting into the proprietary content business? Good question. I don't know. Uh, I'm not part of YouTube and I'm not part of that decision making in, in YouTube. Um, maybe it's like they are starting this thing called YouTube TV, right? which is a different, uh, uh, I think, advertising free, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and they partner with uh, with content creators, with channels, basically with network. So I, I don't know. I guess the answer is maybe, but I, I can't really speak to it. <clears throat> Um, with there's a lot of B2B collaboration going on here and agencies that you're pulling in to maximize the content on YouTube. Um, how have you found that experience to been like to be when you're bringing in a media partner and the advertisers plus your teams plus the content creators themselves, which I'm sure they have a very strong willed mind on kind of what their ultimate creative strategy and direction should look like. Um, what has your experience been? Um, it depends. I personally haven't been very much involved in in uh, in dealing with the creators. We have a team inside the zoo uh, that specializes in you know in uh, in YouTube and working with creators. But it, it it all depends. It depends on the clients. It depends on the agencies. It depends on the creators. It depends on the brief. You know, it depends on it depends on what what success looks like, what are they trying to... Um, and, and speaking of the success, do you have a formal debrief afterwards with all of the partners that you bring to the table as well as the creator and evaluate how the campaign went and what the next steps look like? Typically, yes. We always have a measurement, uh, some kind of measurement after that. But what exactly we measure, again, that depends on what, on what was agreed creator. before that. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, with Westworld, for example... Um, what is the what's the long tail there? I mean, you you've created this experience. Is there now going to be an in real life experience beyond it? Is I mean, what what's next? I have no idea. <laughs> I hope uh, not, actually, <laughs> because I I don't know. I know. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm not pr- directly you know like uh, there that, that's a team effort. Like my team actually work on Westworld, but uh, I know there's they've been very engaged with HBO right now uh, and talk about the what's for next season, but I, I don't know. Uh, okay. exactly I, I don't think I'm going to find out and go home and ask Google home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be talking to Aiden anytime soon. <laughs> so you mentioned that you not only have a team in New York, but you have a team in California too, right? Right. So how big are each of these teams? Um, not very big. We're a very small team. I think overall in the, uh, the zoo is about 40 something people in the U S it's amazing uh, how forty something people is a small team, right? <laughs> no, but we divide it, you know, in, in a bunch of a bunch of smaller groups. But yeah, we're not we're not very compared to uh, compared to other teams in Google. We're not very big. Yeah. So, like, how many typical projects is each team working on at one time? I would say uh, we have uh, we again we're driven by the clients that have been assigned to us. So each group has its own. Uh, set of clients and it's divided by priority and emerging stuff like that so uh, right now for example like my group we have about maybe 10 to 15 clients 
that is that fall under priority clients and then we have additional maybe about 20 or something under this so on paper that would seem like 30 something projects a year but not real not exactly like that it depends on level of engagement you know there are clients who actually have reached the level of spend and and uh, and they have access to us like we are we're uh, uh, added value right but the kind of work or the kind of thing that they do may not require zoo engagement so it, it depends anyway. so yeah. i just i'm sorry i just want to make sure our, our audience understands i don't want to make sure i understand correctly mm-hmm. so google zoo the way this kind of operates is priority clients within the google organization specifically let's say that that spend uh in with with youtube if they hit a certain a certain threshold we don't have to discuss that on air but if they hit that one of the value-added services is they're able to work with you and your team to learn how to better optimize the experience. That's correct. So it's our favorite part of the show. It's snack time. And snack time to us is really about breaking bread with our guests and getting to know them and learning more about the personal side. So um, I know that you brought some goodies with you for us to share. So I don't know if you want to break those out and we can uh, take a break and dive into them. Certainly. I'm not really a snack guy, by the way, so I just bought bought this half an hour before I got here. Uh. (laughs) All right, so they're fresh. How much does this really reflect my personality? And none of us seem to have eaten breakfast anyways. No No expectations at all. We have handcrafted potato chips. Uh, Wow, (laughs) handcrafted potato (laughs) chips. Sounds very fancy. And then cherry apple crisps. There you go, guys. That sounds very healthy. I think. I think. I, I think. I think there needs to be a disclaimer on this show. I, the way you guys portray me, the audience is going to think I'm about 800 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we need. We need to get some visuals out there. I mean, you, you are breaking out of your shirt. Hashtag just saying. <laughs> For all the right reasons. It's an ongoing. Joke. Joke. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I'm glad I'm, I can be part of that ongoing culture. So on that note, we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back to talk about interesting things happening with YouTube and how the beauty bloggers potentially launch that platform. We'll be right back. Check out Sennheiser's latest Bluetooth in-ear headphones, the HD1 Free. Premium materials and flawless craftsmanship combined with stunning Sennheiser sound all in one small and wireless package. And we're not kidding. This makes a great gift. Learn more at Sennheiser.com. And our listeners can get a 25% discount with the code MouthMediaSen at checkout. That's MouthMedia, S-E-N-N. Talent connects top brands and agencies with exceptional creative, marketing, and digital talent every day. Whether you're looking for the right position or to hire the very best talent, 24-7 boasts more than 500,000 vetted and interviewed freelance and full-time candidates. Experience the difference at 247talent.com. That's 24-S-E-V-E-N-Talent.com. What is the differentiator with Google Zoo? Why would brands want to partner with you? Um, If I think about YouTube, the beauty market, I feel like really put YouTube on the map. Um, Can you tell us about that evolution and 
why current day brands would want to come to the, to the zoo. Sure. Um, if I understand it correctly, I mean, I, I've only been with the, with, with the team for two and a half years. Uh, the zoo was created many years ago, I think seven or eight years ago. And uh, specifically to, at that time, even more, uh, even more uh, uh, just dedicated to YouTube. Now our scope is slightly different. But um, to answer your question, like why would, you know, why would advertiser or even agencies need us? Um, there are nuances and, and, and uh, currencies and languages inside YouTube that most people, uh, um, unless you are, you know, unless you're working closely with YouTube, most people may need some guidance, put it that way. You know, like, I, I don't even remember many, many, many years ago, people would say things like, oh, just put it on YouTube and just create like a long, you know, a long edit and spirit there and done. That wasn't true. And that's still not true, right? You right. need to have a content strategy. And that is becoming even more complex, I think, or, or not more complex. I think it, that understanding, it's more important today. You know, like uh, different creators have different styles and different preferences uh, or how, uh, how to attach your, uh, your content to other content in there. You know, there's a, for example, like one of the most, and I'm sure you, you guys all know this, like one of the most popular content on YouTube is basically how-to videos, right? How to build this, how to do that. Like your Wait, I thought fashion. it was cat content, no? <laughs> <laughs> that probably is true too. Um, but that, that, you know, that, that comes in such a spectrum. Uh, so, you, you know, understanding like when and where and how to uh, leverage that. That's where uh, our team, and we also have a content team who can, you know, who can help that. But beyond that, we also are the uh, sort of like the, the connector. So uh, our starting point is always video, YouTube basically, but we could go beyond that. So making it up, for example, if there is an advertiser who, uh, who's working with us and they, they create something on YouTube with us, that could lead to some kind of like Westworld, for example, right? You know, it was promoted on YouTube, but then when people click on that, when people search for it and they find it when they arrive in the, in the Westworld site, there's an assistant there waiting for them, the chatbot Aiden that helps them. That's also us. I mean, we help our clients connect that dot and work with the right team inside Google to get there. So this is the value of, um, of partnering with a team like the zoo. Uh, we help kind of sort of sort of make sense of and also think of creative ways of using all these existing tools and product inside Google. And I know and I know this isn't necessarily within your realm, but it does impact the brands if they do partner with you. If they have an influencer following of ten thousand or more, there's a shared ad revenue stream now to if the creator decides to tap into that, right? So is that a selling point you think for a brand? That's that's a revenue another revenue generating opportunity for them or or the content creators i mean does that play into this at all i think both um i i think i think it's for both for for both the, the creators and for for brands um i look at it as again like the way the conversation around content on youtube typically is still informed by broadcast right how many views and all that. I mean, even the measurement tend to be still, uh, it's a reflection of how broadcast, uh, I mean, the broadcast world is. But if you ask me, again, this is my personal opinion, if you ask me, is it better to have 10 million views or 5,000 engagement? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would probably, and, it depends on, again, it depends and, on what success for you uh, looks like to you. So to answer your question, is, it, is that an advantage? I think yes, but uh, the power still lies with the creator. It's up to them. Mm -hmm. What they want, what they want to use with that 
you know, fan base. The video has been just such a hot topic mm-hmm. um, within our, some of our conversations, but um, completion rate, is that, is that something that you look at? In? Well, we look at a lot of things. Uh, completion rate is one of the watch time is one of the metrics that um, a lot of advertisers and within uh, YouTube as well, uh, they measure that. But again, like, to me, it's um, beyond the numbers, right? beyond, uh, beyond the numbers of, uh, um, oh, I have uh, two and a half minutes content and people watch all the way at the end or people watch up until like a minute, whatever, 30, uh, 30 seconds into it. Um, and then there, to me, it's more about what is it that you want to get out of that? You know, uh, that's, that's how I look at it. But again, it, it, it's it's a between um, between the advertisers and the agencies and the creators and, uh, and 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 YouTube as well. We have to have an, an agreement beforehand. What is it that you want to get? What what a success? Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you want? Is it you want people to finish the whole thing, or you just want people to get the uh, impression, or you want people to uh, uh, click on an ad somewhere in the middle, for example? You know. Um, so so do you find yourself working? in tandem with other creative agencies we do yes is that like a majority of the situation so it'll be the client the creative agency you guys and then the advertising for team the most part yes room. yeah and uh by by creative agencies uh we it it, it we it you know it we mean it's all kinds of agencies because there are clients that have their own internal agencies and we work with them too there was an article, I'm pivoting a, a little bit, there was an article a few weeks ago in the uh, New York Times and it was titled something like, it's okay or sorry, but you're not going to be famous. <laughs> and, and it was alluding to the fact that we live in this, you know, Kardashian world where everyone's got an Instagram, everyone's got a Twitter, everyone's got a YouTube channel and everyone, you know, thinks they're the next, you know, it thing. So what advice would you have for someone that maybe has some substance and wants to stand out. There's millions and millions and millions of people on all these platforms trying to get noticed. But what are some, you know, little inside tips, if you will? What is it that makes someone successful on YouTube? Like, what is the content that really stands out? What are little tricks you could kind of offer? Wow. wow. I'm not sure if I'm the right person to give Cat that kind videos. of advice. <laughs> no, seriously. I want to be I'm, famous. Come uh, on. Uh, not trying to be flippant, but yeah, I, I'm not really an expert in the in that space. But let me try to answer your question from from a larger. Uh, but what do you see successful with everything that you? I mean, you obviously uh, are working with a lot of different advertisers, a lot of different content providers. You know, what is the type of content, or what are, what do you see that works? There's really no formula. If you, if, if this is again, this is my uh, uh, based on my just my experience having worked in advertising and in branding many years. It's at at the end of the day, if I have to say what makes it successful is it has to be relevant, right? It has to be culturally relevant. It has to touch a nerve, basically. It has to have that kind of tension, and understand who is it for, like who the users are, like and what you're trying to get out of it. For example. This is an easy example, and it might be you might you might say it's cheating a little bit, like you know, find your greatness from Nike, right? You remember that TV spot? Yeah. It's like it's it's this, it's a camera lock off. Uh, this kid running towards camera, the voiceover is practically whispering, but it's one of the most successful. You know, if you're using all the metrics that are out there, it's one of those the most successful TV advertising and then content or whatever you want to call it. But if you think of some of if you compare that to some of the other videos or content out there that are considered successful, you know, like fast cuts or <laughs> like 
they, they uh, uh, say something uh, provocative or have a controversial subject, whatever. This has none of that. But it is it was very relevant, and it still is very relevant today. Yeah, you know, like there's a it touch it touch on that cultural relevancy, uh, of like there's a greatness in every one of us, and and we want to find ways to get it. So that would be my the, the most I could say as in terms of like you know, to answer your question is what about if you wanted to create more of a channel, like not more like there's obviously the flash in the pan, you know. You're uh, auditioning on America's Got Talent, and you're seven years old, and the whole world starts watches it the next day and it's got 50 million views okay that's an overnight sensation uh that's just being at the right place at the right time but if you're creating a channel if you're trying to build sustainable content every single day or every single week as as we are here today with with our podcast um are you a little late to the game i mean some of the early adopters that you know built built a presence you know is it is it harder today to amass millions of, of followers as maybe if if i was trying to start something out 10 years ago or five years ago or do you just recommend us spending more on pay-per-click advertising? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you are late. I don't think anyone is late. But I'm not sure if I have like a formula to give you right now. You know, like I don't know. I'm not sure if I have the step one, two, three for that. Uh, uh, I'm sure if you if you Google it out there, there are <laughs> many, 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 many uh, experts who will give you much more qualified advice than I could ever. Because uh, uh, I'm 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 not you know I've I'm not a creator. I I have I have no experience launching anything in that space. Uh, Mark, can you pull up Yahoo, please? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Yahoo still around? <laughs> yes. So you didn't start your career in this creative space, right? You started in a completely different vertical. I was in the agency world for many, many, many years. Yeah. I thought you were an architect. I thought you were an architect. No, I studied architecture, but I worked as a designer and art director in creative agencies for like 20-something years before I joined Google. So what are some cool projects that you worked on before you joined Google? What is Deep City? Deep City is it's a... It's a side project that uh, my team in New York did. It's not a client project. It's not a typical zoo project, put it that way. It's uh, something that we did in partnership with our in-house architecture team. Um, the New York office was, Google New York office, was renovating the, uh, the third floor lobby. And they needed ideas, just ideas. What, what can we do with the lobby? And then they uh, threw a uh, friend of a friend of a friend inside Google and we got connected with uh, with that team and then we started talking. It's really just like one of those... One it's of those networking things. inside Yeah, just networking <laughs> and we, uh, we're just shooting some ideas and they like one of the ideas and, uh, and, you know, and we were asked to help them as a creative consultant. Like they have... They have they, they have the they they have the vendors and all that themselves. So, uh, Digity is basically a very kind of a fun little uh, installation where um, when users or visitors when they arrive, they are greeted with this big screen that captures their emotion and turn that into a data point, and then that data point is being transferred to the second part of the installation, which is like a cave that will show you a place in New York City because it's in New York based on that motion, based on that movement, uh, based on the, your, your movement earlier. So, you know, it's very abstract. It's kind of a, we look at it more like, like an art project. It's not, there's not a lot of a deep strategic, you know, like a branding uh, into it, but it's just something that, it's well, cool. It's yeah, got that something cool that's factor. supposed to be cool and fun totally. and lighthearted. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So what's really interesting is um, a majority of this podcast, we keep talking about like relationship building, right? 
Um, and I think it's so fascinating because if you want to get stuff done at Google, it's also about relationship building, like knowing people inside the company. It had to be a friend of a friend of a friend to connect with to get that done. How does that typically work? Um, just like just like how you describe it, basically. <laughs> just you, um, you have to network uh, um, you know, internally, too. It is a large, it's a very big company and yeah. made out of so many different groups and subgroups. So you just have to, you know reach out to people and find the right find the right people who share the same kind of vision or ideas that you have. Yeah. How and then much? do you work on projects with them after you've worked on that initial project? Do you find a way to to collaborate? Yeah, we uh, you know, we they're, they're not it, it doesn't always work out like that because um if if there's no uh common objective or if there's no win, if there's no shared value for something then there's no there's no point. But uh if there is, then yes, then we would try to define a uh, like a project charter, so to speak. Okay, who does what? Who's what's your swim lane, and what's um, what is the objective at the end of that? Does everyone market themselves on Google Hangout, like within the organization? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, like, kind of like what you do or who you are, just so everyone has like a little tagline. Uh, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's not exactly like that. There is yeah. a uh, there. Uh, everyone has their own uh, employee page, so to speak, mm -hmm. and you could. You could list whatever you want, basically the sure. project that you're working on, right. or the projects that you've finished, or uh, um, uh, your your OKR, like your objective, what you're trying, what you're working on next. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's I guess that's the closest to what yeah, you are, what you're referring to, like your personal advertising page. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you have a question. Most of our um, guests uh, thus far have um, had a little bit different role. Uh, most of them have come from uh, the content studio uh, side of the industry. So obviously, this is a big trend happening. Um, it seems that a lot of content studios are are coming, or you know, are, are popping up. But more, we, we we've seen that more traditional publishers, whether it's the New York Times or Condé Nast or Wall Street Journal, are kind are adding content studios to their business. How do you think this? What, what's your thought on content studios, branded content? How much do you think that will start to play into the the Google ecosystem? You know, it, as it relates separately and as it relates to Google. Like, I like to hear both of your you know okay perspectives. I think uh, a way. Uh, let's put Google aside for for a I my my personal view on that is that the pie is so big. Right? There is always there's there's always room, and people you know there's there's no. You're not gonna run out of a uh, room to play, put it that way, and and uh, and the, it makes sense to have your own team, so to speak, in a lot of these uh, 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 a lot of these like entities because who else understands your platform better than? <laughs> so that's also one of the reasons why the zoo was created because Google as an entity is so massive, and we're constantly you know uh, changing in the sense like you know, the, the the policy and what you can or cannot do on our platform. We're being reorg, you know, we're being reorganized a lot too internally. So it's it's always good to have that point person to go to uh, to just to make sense of things. So I think it's I think it's great to, uh, for entities like New York Times and all that to have somebody for advertisers to go to or to anyone like external partners to go to as uh how it relates to us we are uh collaborators in, in essence we collaborate with everyone i mean most of our collaborators right now are clients and agencies but the notions of agencies are so i mean what is agency today really right uh the team inside like brand studio inside new york times that could be our partner 
that's an agency to some degree. I mean, it's not. But, do you, do know, you see them replacing? Like, do you see these in-house uh, studios replacing traditional agencies? You know, the world where you came from, and do you also? You know, it's interesting when we ask the question to the publishers: Does it jeopardize the editorial integrity? Uh, of course, they're going to say no, and there's a clear delineation between editorial and branded content. But okay, now you're from the outside, right? Looking in, what, what's your thought on it? I don't think it will replace. Um, I think it will change the way people work. I think the uh, uh, it the 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 definition of what an agency is, what an in, you know, I mean, I think that's that's already changing, and I will continue to change. But I don't think it will ever replace uh, 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 that role completely. Everyone has a role to play in the, in that space. Uh, as far as the integrity of the content, again, I I, I don't know, you know, but I, I can't comment on that because I don't know how each, uh, uh, I don't know how New York Times operates internally. But I can look at it from a broader a cultural uh, observation is, what is really the difference between, you know, <laughs> editorial and non and, and commercial content? I mean, it is pitching something. Every content is trying to pitch something, whether it's a commercial message or non-commercial. It, you know, it is, it has, it has an agenda to some degree. Right? And, I mean, uh, you're answering that truly as a consumer of content. And it's, it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, um, I think really the differentiating factor is who's putting the content out, like who who gets the value from it. So if it's an advertiser, they get direct value from mm -hmm. it because the sales go direct to them. If it's a third party, then it's their perspective and they might not necessarily be generating revenue from it. And I put that in quotation marks mainly because like bloggers have been able to figure out ways to generate that revenue. So I think in a way we're in this really interesting space where we don't know like what the difference is going to be, but I don't know if we're fully there yet. It's it's so gray. It's interesting now, you know, back in the day, you know, when uh, GQ, I'm just, I'm just using that name. I don't have any insight to this, but, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of GQ. I, I love looking at the, the fashion spreads. And we all know that there's a little more love given to the bigger advertisers, right? So maybe, you know, there's a little bit more Gucci in the, in the spread than a non-advertising partner. But today, when you go to the website and they say 10 sneakers to wear this fall, at the bottom of it, they're actually putting disclaimers saying, we may receive affiliate revenue from this. So then you start to wonder, well, is this the shoe that I really should buy because this is what the editors are recommending? Or is this the shoe I should buy because these are the partnerships you have? But F FYI, Edward receives the full <laughs> magazine. Yes, <laughs> I buy it. This is not happening online. This is happening in tangible. Yeah, I heard, about, I heard, I heard about this. It's a good question. But my, my question back to you is like, does it matter? You know, because at the end of the day, it is an opinion, right? You, are, you, are, you value that person's opinion on, in this case, uh, on sneakers. Now, um, the, what you're asking for is, Purity, right? Is it really pure, purely his or her uh, point of view on sneaker? But there is no, in my opinion, there's no such thing because that editor's opinion on sneaker is informed by something, and that something could have been advertising from right. Know, but uh, so you know, I mean, uh, to me, it's like it's ultimately it's uh, it's uh, 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 you value that person's opinion, and if that person deems it worthy to like this at the top ten, whatever, then. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of don't care where. But yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but being in, inside the industry, uh -huh. we kind of know some of the nuts and bolts and what's going on. So maybe a reader twenty years ago or ten years ago didn't realize that the editor, 
had to show a little bit more preference to these brands over these brands. But today, you know, as, as, as uh, Dolly was just saying, a blogger has to f- at some point figure out how to monetize. And so maybe when they start out their blog, um, he or her are selecting products that really resonate with them. And that's how they create an authority and a, and a following because mm-hmm. they're curating really what's, what's the best or unique mm-hmm. to, to, to their audience. But at some point, you'll kind of blur the lines because if you got to make a living and people start pitching you products, you know, it's kind of, it's this gray area. Yeah, but us as consumers and us as consumers of content, we know the difference between whether or not that's their style, right? Like we're smarter in terms of like how we we foresee them in this space. And you think the average consumer is totally that smart? 100%. And, and actually, it's a big discussion because if a blogger is not authentic about the content that they're sharing, then they lose an audience. They really do. This is this is a big issue that's happening right now. I, I agree with that. I, th- I think you know, going back to the user first, looking at who your users are, who basically in this case, who your, your listeners or viewers or readers or whatever. Right? If, if to your point of that, going back to that GQ example, if that person goes too far into just whoever pays me the most, so I'll just, you know, then he or she will lose the authority. Right? The reason why you respect the point of view or the opinion is because of that, at least that perception of, uh, of uh, objectivity, even though it's still, you know, it's informed by advertisers. Uh, you think the average uh, TV viewer realizes that maybe when a TV show is created, let's say there's five friends and they hang out every Friday night at a local restaurant, that maybe uh, that, that restaurant is, uh, has paid a significant amount of money to be the quote-unquote hangout, and it's just not some arbitrary local town restaurant that, you know, the five buddies after the football game are going to? Yeah, but you're watching that show because you like the interaction between those five characters and the discussion. Absolutely. The location is, yeah, it's almost... But but it's it's subliminal, right? At some point, you keep seeing Mm -hmm. that. You keep seeing that. You may say, oh, I want to go there. I want to go there. It's kind of like, you know, they put the cup on American Idol. Like, I go to Dunkin' Donuts or drink Pepsi or Coca-Cola every single day. But those advertisers see a tremendous value of putting that, that, that cup on that stage because it's subliminal, right? Yeah, but this is not a new part of the industry. Product placement has been super oh, relevant for so long. This that, is just like, a new form of product placement, really. Sure. So, like, I think that this is a whole bigger discussion. Like, do we do we not even include certain products because we don't feel like... Um, but look what branded content's doing in general. The right. Tiffany example, I mean, they weren't, you know, they did this entire campaign... I'm, million dollars later, you know, the influencers weren't even required to wear Tiffany in the short film. That's crazy. Right? So, I mean, then at the very end, there's a splash of blue, you know, or the Tiffany green, whatever, you know, you want to call it. But... It's, but it's also like having that stamp of approval, right? Like uh, this resonates with that person. So because it resonates with them, they're relevant. The more people are talking about this, the more that company is relevant, etc. But it's also, it's like, is that confusing to the customer? You know, like I was watching a video ad the other day. I wasn't sure whether it was uh, for Ralph Lauren because of the cars. The jewelry was Cartier, you know, and then there was... Or I was like, or is this American Express for travel? Totally, you know? but it's a whole lifestyle. Mm. Right? Maybe at Rudy's point, yeah. it doesn't matter if you, yeah. you connect with the content. That that's all that matters. Right, but I watched and, the whole video. And it's it's all at the end of the day. Did like, you, you buy know, anything uh... after? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you should have bought clothes with your American Express. <laughs> you should have gone to the store. <laughs> so again, it, uh, but ultimately, it's it's up to the creator, like how far that person is willing to, like in your like that example that you use. I could see your point, like that might be too much maybe i don't know right you know but if it doesn't hurt um 
the uh, 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 the standing of that creator. Yeah, like who are we to? <laughs> so, I was, I was so very kinda, curious which yeah, way I was yeah, going to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of taking this back to like what you do in uh, your company, um, especially at the zoo. Do you find your group growing? Is there a potential for that? And if so, like how do you guys source new talent? Um. We are the uh, we are the very decent size right now. You know, we are. I, I don't foresee any uh, any like explosion of size in the foreseeable future. We have enough people to handle what we have. Um, just like everything else, the growth is will be dictated by the growth of the business. Uh, if if uh, if the higher up decides, okay, we need more people, then then yeah, we'll look at it right there. But in terms of talent, we are because we're not. We don't produce it directly. Like we, this is why we, uh, we, our function is more like a creative, for, for lack of a better word, like a creative consultant. Basically, uh, we prefer to work with agencies and and uh, and clients and let them produce it, let them own that relationship. So we're not. Um, we can we can uh, recommend. We can tell them. Oh, we know such and such have such and such technology, or they have built such and such prototype that might be relevant to what we're trying to do. But that's that's where. That's where we draw the line. So yeah. we don't, you know, we don't sign a contract or anything like that. No, I think that's yeah. great because that goes back to the relationships, right? Like right. it's all about who you know, and if it makes sense to loop them into this project, then then they become part of the culture. And like if that that project further extends, then maybe they get hired full time, right? Like so, I think that it goes back to those meaningful relationships and how you're building them. Maybe if there's headcon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So on that note, I think we're going to jump to a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll talk more about the more personal side of things and get to know you as a person. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. You can follow us on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. And episodes are available on our website, contentisyourbusiness.com, and wherever the best podcasts are found. You can also check out all of the other Mouth Media Network shows at mouthmedianetwork.com. personally have a question that I love asking and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Um, what are your favorite books and how do you get inspired? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's a, wow, that's a difficult one. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you this, the latest one that I've read and I've just finished is this book uh, called The Industries of the Future uh, by Alex, Alex Ross. Uh, he used to work at the State Department and uh, he basically compiled all this knowledge and observations that he has done over like uh, how, how many years when he was working there and traveling around the world um, and wrote this very thoughtful observation of what's going on and where things would go. And I, I think I like something like that, something that is touching, something that touches on culture. I'm definitely picking that one up. Yeah, culture. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, a bit of an anthropological side of like you know where things are fueled by technology but also fueled by just trends by uh, how uh, how people in different parts of the world uh, innovate or solve problems differently with what they have and how that affects uh, 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 what is it uh, how they use uh, technology 
So a lot of it is very, is very technology driven, but also very culturally uh, 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 relevant. <clears throat> Um, on the technology front, um, how much are, are you starting to bring in AI and into the workplace at, within the zoo or at Google? Um, robots? I mean, is this, <laughs> is this happening? And do you personally love robots? Um, I... Well, that's, I don't know. I never had one. I never have one, so I, I don't know. Uh, You've never had a no, robot? No, I never had a robot, but... Um, what about a chatbot? No. <laughs> chatbot. We use chatbot a lot. I mean, I, it, it, the 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 I think the um, the existence of artificial intelligence is already here. I, th I think we've used it a lot in our everyday life. We just probably don't realize it. You know, the uh, auto response on your text message, for example, that's that's a form of intelligence. Um, the uh, uh, on Gmail, for example, right now, if you're in a hurry, if you if you see an email and you can see it, it could it could spit out like three potential possibly quick response uh, quick responses for you you know you could just pick one and then it'll reply you know um so the, that's already that's already in our everyday life um it's we i think we use that in the tools that we use um as for your question about in the zoo no we don't have like a robot that roams around our office you are Mm -hmm. I would love to have one, but I just I just want to make sure it serves a real purpose. Right. <laughs> Get the little vacuum that like cleans the floor. I do not have a Roomba. Really, really. <laughs> I do not. I do not have that. I don't know what I would do without my Roomba. A lot of executives talk about learning from other industries and and applying that then to our own industry. Like you, you really can't learn much if you look inside. You have mm -hmm. to look outside. Take it if, like take knowledge from that, then apply it back to to our industry. Um, so like, what do you look to for inspiration? You know, what other, what, what other industries do you draw knowledge from or inspiration from to kind of, you know, whether it's creative or te technology or, um, yes, uh, I, I agree with that notion. Yeah. But it, but I, I don't really have a specific, like, I don't have like a go-to place. Um, I love to read and learn about culture, what's going on in the culture and then what's in and see what, what's happening and then go you know, deeper into that. The area that I notice typically, uh, or in the, the sector that I notice typically that tends to be ahead of everybody else is fashion. Right? You know, if you look at fashion and music, typically they are, these, these, are, these are the two sectors usually they would pick up subculture or something very early and then elevate that. And that's, the, that's where I like to I mean, I'm not, I'm not really into fashion, but I love to at least understand how that happens, you know, and uh, what fuels that. What was, a, what was the, was there, is there like a history? Because everything is a pattern. If you really look at it, it's, it's always a pattern of something. Understanding that, at least try to, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm never going to be an expert in that, but at least try to understand how things come to be will, uh, uh, will hopefully help me in, uh, in, Solving problems, whether it's for clients or just or in general. Like, what, what do you read on a day to day basis? Certain sites you go to, or newspapers or magazines. He I prefers real newspapers. <laughs> <by the> <laughs> I read a bunch of different things. Um, mostly just because I'm very curious, and I also I I try not to. This is what I noticed, right? And uh, the going back to the earlier earlier uh, 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 thing that you talk about, you know, the you know what's what's pure editorial, what's not. It's, I, I don't think there is any so I, I like <laughs> so I like to read from many different sources like for example I I, I have subscription 
both with New York Times and was and Wall Street Journal, right? And I would try to. I mean, if something happens, I would read on both sides at the same digital time. Digital or print or both? Uh, sorry. Digital print or both? Only digital. Only digital. I hardly ever touch any in any physical newspaper anyway. Uh, and I like to listen to podcasts again, like different different point of view. Not to not to take side, just to hear it from oh, from different people. Yeah, uh, I think this is also important in general to just just not not about branding, not about not about not related to, not related to what I do as a, as a living, but just as a person to have a little bit of a media literacy. Um, yeah, I wish more people out there would 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 be a little bit more open minded to and l- listen to all sides of a story before they jump to a conclusion. <laughs> Um, so stories typically end with a final thought, and I'd love for you to take a minute and think about anything that you could share in addition to everything that we spoke about, um, anything related to uh, content overall. Sure. Um, I think one thing, and it's I'll be honest, it's also uh, uh, it's probably informed by the content of this uh, of this interview, this podcast is, uh, I read somewhere or maybe I listened to it in the past I can't, I, I can't remember um, from from a, from an expert uh, who said that when when you read something or when you anything read watch or, or listen whatever um, try to watch it or listen to it or read about it with critical uh, mind uh, meaning like search to find out not to conf- not to confirm. Um, and I think this is, uh, uh, and, and, and I know this is nothing to do with, uh, or maybe it has something to do with with, uh, with, with, with the commercial content. But there is something to that. I think um, part of the side guys right now, why you know the, all the all the, the the tone in the, in culture right now is because of that. Because because like to to your point, like when you said like people jump to conclusion easily, uh, there's a tendency to take sides right away, right? Um, I think there's always half of everything. There's there's not one of of something. There's always half of something, so I would say uh, in in the context of in the content, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's just watching a cat video or all the or, or something or watching something deep like a philosophical discussion or something on YouTube, there's not um, always try to like uh, uh, try to look up the footnote, I guess, <laughs> you know, and 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 then and then and then you can decide for yourself after that, like what to believe or what not to believe. That's so great. Yeah, I think that that's a great way to end this podcast. So if people want to reach out to you afterwards and connect, what's the best way uh, for them to reach you? Email, LinkedIn, Email is probably still the best. Uh, um, I think if, you know, uh, I, I guess I can give people my work email. It's uh, rudyangono at google.com. Um, Rudy, thanks so much for being here. You're very welcome. It's we really appreciated your perspective and all the value that you brought. Um, and here with me is Edward Hertzman. Thank you, Rudy. You're welcome. Lisa Berger. Thanks, Rudy. My name's Dahlia Strom, and we hope to hear your story next time. You've been listening to Content Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show, or to become a sponsor, email us at contentshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, contentisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by 24-7 Talent. Connect with the best talent at 247talent.com. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.